We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Happy New Year from everyone here at the Pack-A-Day Podcast. My name is Maggie Loney, and we are mixing things up for today's show. Your regular Wednesday host, Nick Schmitz, is traveling with family, which means that today I'll be joined by Jacob Westendorf and Steve Perhatch. That means you get to start your 2020 with all three of us, and I'm not sure if that means you're off to a great start or a bad start, but there are still 364 days to change your luck. For today's show, we thought that we would do a playoff mailbag. Uh, but first, I thought I would take the temperature of the room and see what everyone's thoughts were on the state of this team heading into the playoff, because I know that it was kind of a controversial win on Twitter. So, Jacob, I will start with you. How you feeling? Second seed, bye week. Let's do it. 13 wins, three losses. They don't give you extra credit for this. This isn't college football. The committee isn't picking where the Packers are seated. If Green Bay is the worst 13-3 and three, two seed ever, then I would happily be that as well as the poorest billionaire. So that's how I feel. I don't care. I said it uh, before the game started. I don't care if it's 31-3. to three. I don't care if it's 2 to nothing. I don't care if it's 14-13. Just win the game, and it means a bye. They won the game. Uh, it was a classic kind of hangover spot. Uh, unfortunately, they were hung over for about two and a half quarters instead of the one that I was hoping that it might take. But ultimately, I don't care. They're the two seed. 
Uh, they have one game at Lambeau Field and maybe two as a chance to get to the Super Bowl. And they're one inch away from being the one seed. So say what you will. Uh, it's not always pretty, but uh, this is the NFL, and wins and losses are the only things that matter. I would be happy, as Aaron Rodgers said, winning ugly all the way to the Super Bowl. So let's roll. All right, Steve, how about you? Man, I, I get very frustrated with Packers Twitter because uh, they – there's no way around it. We we complain. They uh, they all complain. I know I do it too. I get caught up in the moment, and we complain about it not being perfect. But I mean, the fact is, they came back from the dead. They came back from the dead yesterday, and were able to come back from two touchdowns against a division opponent on the road, and win in the second half when they needed to. So that is the team that I'm rolling with. Like I'm jacked up. Like I'm I'm super excited to get a little bit of rest to get some of those guys healthy. You know, the offensive line took a hit uh, with with Vitaly with Williams being out. Like you get an extra week of rest for those guys. Like it wasn't pretty, but man alive! Like this team shows you that they can get wins in a lot of different ways, and they showed me another one yesterday, which I'm pretty hyped about. So I'm going to read this quote really quick. Uh, Matt LaFleur, after the game, um, this was at his post-game press conference. He said, we've just got to find a way, and that's what our calling card has been all season long. I know it doesn't always look pretty, but our guys are resilient, and we need to find a way. I can't explain it, but I'm just thankful for every guy in that locker room. Those guys care about each other, and they battle. You don't find that in every team that you're on. And I feel like that's been the whole identity of this 2019 team, whether people want to call it winning ugly, not necessarily winning pretty. Aaron Rodgers said it too. They're finding ways to win. He doesn't have to have his best game. Aaron Jones can have an off game. The receiving core can have an off game. The defense can pick them up and vice versa. And you both said it too. If we win ugly all the way to the Super Bowl, I don't think Packer fans are going to be too upset about that. That's what you Um. said. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't need to say it. All right. (laughs) So let's segue into some of these mailbag questions. Uh, We will start with Jeremiah Hansen, uh, who said, what would a Packers game plan on offense look like versus New Orleans or Seattle? So left out Philly, but that's okay, because we'll talk about Philly in a little bit. Steve, what are your thoughts? Packers game planning on offense for these teams. So. I know what the Packers have been doing um, for the whole season, pretty much, has been trying to attack uh, weaknesses in every team. And we've all seen the offense come and go and not look great and look great and then look awful, and it's just been a back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So what I'm going to say, I feel like it's pretty simple. The Packers need to run the ball. They need to throw quick, short passes to potentially set up a few play-action deep bombs here and there. But overall, they have the game plan. Aaron Jones is the number one target. He needs to be getting the ball 20-plus times. Devontae Adams needs to be 1B and getting the ball as much as possible. Lazard needs to be the second wide receiver. Like, that is your game plan. That is how you win games because you set yourself up. Like, the Packers have set themselves up with a good defense in a running game, and that is how they're going to win in a cold Lambeau field. So I feel it doesn't matter the opponent. They need to just be able to attack in a smart way for their offense to keep keep them on the field, and that way the defense is ready to just rock right away. 
If that All right, sense. and the same is much better than Seattle's defense. Um, so there is that tidbit. But, Jacob, go ahead. What about you? Yeah, I think the game plan against Minnesota is is the one, the second time around, that was at its best. Uh, Steve mentioned it. It was running the ball, setting stuff up with play action, uh, throwing the ball over the middle of the field, finding opportunities and weaknesses against that defense, and they were able to do that. That was your recipe for success. Now, why they essentially abandoned that for two and a half quarters against Detroit, I really don't know. But they did, and it is what it is. They ended up winning. But I really think that that offense – was the way to do it. It was a it was a an efficient way of moving the ball down the field. I think that's what I think that's what is the the biggest deal for for Green Bay moving forward is being able to like I said run the ball, attack the middle of the defense because you mentioned that's even a spot where Seattle, I know they have Bobby Wagner, they'll be missing some guys in the middle of that defense. New Orleans, if they have a weakness on defense, it's in the middle of the field. Their safety tandem, not that great, kind of banged up. Their linebacking core has some positives to it, but they don't have uh, one of those big coverage guys like Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman in those San Francisco 49ers days. So I think that's your answer. Yeah, and I'm with you guys. Uh, The Saints defense is a lot better versus the run than the pass. Um, And I I feel like, honestly, regardless of who's coming into Lambeau, if you are really preaching – Lambeau field, home field advantage, you want it to be cold and snowy. The Packers are plus 12 in turnover differential, so it doesn't really matter at this point, I guess, who the opponent is. If you protect the football and you don't make mistakes when you're on offense and then the defense can take care of business on their side of the ball, that's really all you're looking for, especially in the snow. If you have some teams that aren't used to playing in that kind of weather, protecting the football could be paramount in the uh The next couple of questions are kind of similar. Seth Lale, I think I pronounced that right. If I didn't, I'm sorry, asked, what possible matchup do you feel would be the worst case scenario? And then at Linda Pack uh, said, who do you think we match up best with out of the three teams? So you've got Seattle, the Saints, and then, of course, Philly. Um, So, Jacob, I'll start with you. Who would be your worst case scenario? And then who do you think the Packers match up with the best? I think we just kind of talked about it. I mean, the worst-case scenario is Drew Brees, one of the 12 to 15 best quarterbacks to ever play the game. I don't care about his arm strength and all that stuff in the cold. Sean Payton might be the best coach in the NFC on the playoff side. There's a lot going in New Orleans' favor. They have a lot of weapons. Michael Thomas is the best receiver in the NFL for my money's worth. New Orleans is very, very good. Green Bay can beat them, but, I mean, you're asking me for a worst-case scenario. Those three teams, that's it. Uh, what team do I think Green Bay matches up the best with? I actually think it's Philadelphia is a worse team, uh, and they're a little banged up. But I think it's Seattle because Green Bay struggles against tight ends and scat back type running backs. Miles Sanders comes to mind. Jordan Howard had a big game. They've already played each other, so we've seen the Eagles game plan, the blueprint, if you will, to beat them, and they did that. So not having to face Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz and some really good players that the Eagles have, and the Eagles are a really well-coached team, the Seahawks' offense is legitimately bad. I mean, it really takes Russell Wilson voodoo magic for a quarter and a half last night to even make that game close, and it almost works. I mean, granted, the Seahawks win a lot of games that way, but I, I just think that Green Bay matches up better with Seattle. They have a good enough defense to slow down that offense. They can chase down Russell Wilson, who's really made Lambeau Field his own personal version of hell over the last couple of years. And some redemption at Lambeau Field against those guys would never be a bad thing either. So I would say be careful what you wish for, but if I were to wish, I would want Seattle to come to Lambeau Field. All right, Steve, how about you? 
I mean, I can't really argue with anything he just said. It's you, I don't want to I don't want to play Drew Brees. That's it. I just don't want the Packers <laughs> to play Drew Brees. If that can happen in any way possible, that would be outstanding. Um they're a really good team. Both sides of the ball, like we kind of talked, they've got the they got playmakers as much as the Packers do on offense. They've got a, a legit running back, wide receiver, quarterback, like just just like the Packers, and their defense is pretty stout. So uh, Cameron Jordan on top of Aaron Rodgers is something that I would give me some nightmares. So I would say yes, Saints would be the ones I would not want to play. Otherwise, I mean, out of the other two. It's kind of like a mixed bag for me. I would say they're both pretty beat up at this point in the season. Um, the Eagles have like their 17th wide receiver and their 23rd running back in at this point because they're all just injured. And I would say, honestly, I mean, it's Carson Wentz. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really have a preference. I feel like Carson Wentz or Russell Wilson are both talented guys. But, I mean, gun to my head, I guess I, I'd, I'd prefer to, to play the Eagles just because I think they're that beaten up. Um, and, you know, skating into the, the playoffs, at, well, I think they ended up at 9-7 and seven because they somehow won the division and everybody else uh, just fell off the table. I think I would take the Eagles ever so slightly over the Seahawks. And the thing that I think is honestly really interesting about considering all these scenarios is the fact that the Packers could the Saints in the divisional round and then if they win and maybe the Seahawks win the Seahawks could also still come to Lambeau so you still have a situation where the Packers could see two of these teams down the line um I don't know I guess I'm in the same boat where I think the Saints are the likely option but not something I'd be you know super stoked for um but I think a lot of Packer fans would feel very cathartic with a uh, a Seattle coming into Lambo, just I don't know magic in the snow. Uh, but if it comes down to the last four minutes again, we're going to have real problems on Twitter. So <laughs> yeah, let's I don't just get this out in the, the open earth. too. Uh, <laughs> Kirk Cousins is not winning a road playoff game in the Superdome against the New Orleans Saints, so we can put this idea to bed right now. Well, there you go. I guess I, we'll see. I'm, I'm not as I'm not as cold <laughs> as you. I love I love Dalvin Cook. I think there's I think it'll be closer than people think, but. There's a, if it's if it's a shootout, like crazier things can happen. It's the NFL playoffs. I mean, there's a lot of doubt from what <laughs> we've got this like far. Right I will say this: a six seed will win this weekend, but it's not going to be the Minnesota Vikings. So do the math. Okay. I was an English major, Jacob. So <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. We've kind of talked about this a little bit already, um, but at Free Stewart, which is a great name, asked, assuming the Packers take on the Saints at Lambeau, which we're already kind of assuming, curious to know what Drew Brees' record is in the snow. How big of a factor do we think that could be? Um, and I don't have any particular numbers about snow specifically in front of me, um, but from the Saints wire, they did say that only the Patriots outpaced the Saints in road wins since 2009. So Patriots had 57, Saints had 52, and then the Steelers and Green, uh, the Packers also were in a tie for third with 51 games on the road. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean that all of those games were played in the snow. It just means the Saints are good on the road. But 
that is a little tidbit that maybe Drew Brees is not as intimidated by cold weather as people might think because he plays in the Dome. Uh, so, Steve, I'll start with you. Any thoughts on Drew Brees coming into the snow and what that means, if anything at all? I don't think it means that much. I mean, the guy went and played at Purdue. I mean, we're all Wisconsin people, Midwest people for the most part, and you know what that is. Purdue is right there in Indiana. It's it's a cold-weather place. He's He's got experience. It's not much. I mean, obviously – it's way easier to throw a football when there's no wind, there's no nothing, there's no snow. But he's a professional quarterback. He, uh, what? He's got the most touchdown passes now in the NFL in NFL history. Right. Um. Yeah, I'm not doubting that man's talent for one second because he has to play in the cold weather. I would much rather play have the Packers play them at Lambeau as opposed to down in New Orleans for sure. But if anything, it's a a small little advantage for the Packers, but not very much. All right, Jacob, what are your thoughts? I think it matters maybe a little more than Steve does, but I don't think it's this huge equalizer. I will say this. I I said this several times. If, if I had to pick a worst-case scenario, it would be playing in New Orleans at the Dome. I wanted no part of that whatsoever. So winning for sure. Sunday really made that, so that can't happen at all. Now – if Breeze does have an issue, he throw, he's very accurate, but he doesn't throw the tightest spiral, and he struggles to drive the ball outside the numbers. Now, they don't ask him to do that a whole hell of a lot, so that's why it doesn't matter a whole lot. But if the Packers can figure out a way to kind of scheme up the middle of the field being an okay spot for them to cover, which I know is saying a lot because they haven't been the greatest at covering the middle of the field, but if they can do that, I think the snow can at least cause some sort of equalizer. I mean, I can think back to, I remember when I was in high school, the Bears went to the Super Bowl in 2006 and they played New Orleans in Chicago and it snowed that day. And one of the iconic images from that, well, there's two. One is Reggie Bush pointing at Brian Erlacher and then there's Erlacher pointing through the Saints offense in the snow. And it's kind of a cool picture I have in my head. I can't really explain it much better than that. <laughs> but um, the Saints scored 14 points that day. And now granted, that Bears defense was very, very good. They carried Rex Grossman to a Super Bowl. But it did matter a little bit that that Saints offense wasn't as high-flying. And it's not just Drew Brees that has to deal with playing in the cold. There's a lot of those guys. Michael Thomas has never played in a game like that. I mean, there's a lot of dudes that haven't played in a cold-weather game like that. It's a bit of an equalizer. It's not a huge one. Ultimately, if it comes down to it, I expect Drew Brees to play very well. Yeah, I mean, this is a Saints offense that's in the top ten in most offensive categories, at least top half in any other offensive category. Um, so I think, like you said, the snow can be an equalizer and that if you're not used to it, it takes some adjustments. I think Jamal Williams actually was quoted saying he hopes it's negative 50 um, for the divisional round. So there is that. Um, I also think it could be like a psychological thing. You know, the Packers are like, this is our house. This is our weather. The colder, the better. And there probably is something to be said when you step off the bus and you get slapped in the face. If you're not used to wind chill, and you come to Green Bay, Wisconsin in middle of January, there's something at five there. At o'clock at night. At, yeah, when the sun has already set by 3.30. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I don't think that Drew Brees will struggle like people maybe expect him to, um, given that he plays in a dome. Uh, but I do think it's an interesting narrative if the Saints are the team that comes to Green Bay. Um, our next question, we have two left. Um, so second to last comes from Dale Hansen, who, Dale, if you are related to Jeremiah, 
let us know, please, because you both have the same <laughs> last name. Um, otherwise, that's a weird coincidence for this episode of the show. Uh, Dale asks, was the game plan calling for all of the longer throws on Sunday? Uh, were shorter, move the chains type passes not consistently open? Um, Jacob, I will start with you. Any thoughts on that? I know there's not really, I guess, a way for us to know the game plan, but what do you think about the Packers uh, utilizing the the long bombs on Sunday against the Lions? I mean, it's hard to say without being able to see the entire field. I'll say that as well. I mean, something else that we can say all we want. Oh, Rogers is throwing the ball deep. I mean, you're trusting 100% that his decision-making is right in line with what the plan was supposed to be. Maybe that was the third or fourth option, and that's just how it worked. But one question I legitimately had as the game progressed and I wanted to see when, when the coach's film came out was do the Packers do – because something that has bothered me for a little while – is do the Packers, and have they done anything in recent weeks to get Rodgers into a rhythm? Because they've done so well with the script in recent weeks. In these last two weeks, the script has been putrid. The Packers haven't scored any while well, they fumbled, and they punted a bunch. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, but I would like to see what the thought process is. Now, I know that Jimmy Graham had a drop on a play that probably would have been a touchdown. He probably would have been run down, but that was a huge monster play that probably gets them at minimum into field goal range to start the game. Didn't work out. Uh, I think that what I want to see is do the Packers, is that the plan? Were they planning to throw the ball down the field like that? Because the Lions did have the worst pass defense in all of football. The problem is Green Bay's offense isn't really conducive to throwing the ball down the field like that because your deep threat is Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I'm not convinced is 100% healthy because he doesn't look nearly as fast as he did early in the year, and he does have that kind of speed. Watch him against Oakland, for example. Uh, he runs away from people, but he's not. he hasn't been capable. Uh, they had a deep shot against Chicago. Valdez-Scantling didn't make the catch, but it's not like they can run. You can't run the shot play to Jake Kumaro or Geronimo Allison. Or, I mean, even as great as Devontae Adams is, his speed doesn't threaten down the field like that. Uh, he's a great route runner, great on the intermediate stuff, but he, he's not a deep threat, and that's not an insult by any stretch of the imagination. It's just there's a reason they can't run those plays to those guys. Uh, and it's something that they really haven't had since prime Jordy, and they're still looking for it. And when we get to the off-season shows, I guarantee you, as much as you guys got annoyed about me banging the drum for getting more <laughs> pass rush in the building, speed, speed, speed. I'm going to say that word a bunch when this off-season hits. All right, Steve, what are your thoughts on the long passing versus the short game on Sunday? Oh my God. I couldn't agree more. Like I, <laughs> it was like banging my head into a wall. I, I, it, I didn't understand what was happening. Like you saw the Packers be effective when they were doing the short passing game. They were doing it well and they scored a touchdown off of it in the early in the second half. And we're like, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how the Packers need to score. And then the next three plays out are deep bomb, deep bomb, deep. Like, and it just, you just kind of sat there like, what the hell is going on? Like, why, 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 why are we doing this again? Uh, so it was very confusing. I mean, obviously, I trust Matt LaFleur. Like, I think he has proven himself as somebody who, like, he knows different ways to get things open. And, again, without knowing what their game plan was, it's a little difficult to discuss. But well, looking Steve, at – trust me on this, too. This is not the podcast with this host to be criticizing Matt LaFleur. So why would you <laughs> – it's a good thing you're, you're in tow here because this is not the time. Oh, do not get me wrong. Like I, um, there's been several times. My, you guys don't know this, but my wife has no interest in football whatsoever. Like, doesn't care at all. 
every there's been two times that she's caught the Packers game while I've been watching it, and every time she looks at and Malafleur goes, "What? Who, who's that guy?" And I go, "Oh, that's that's the new Packers head coach." She's like, "Wow, he is really attractive." I'm like, "Yeah, well, yeah, yes, absolutely, he is." So uh, don't don't get me wrong. There's a uh, there's nothing but love in this house for Matt Lafleur uh, on both sides, but. I, I couldn't understand it. I could not understand why they were throwing the ball deep constantly when the thing that was working for them was the short game. So, yeah, I I'm mean, kinda, the shots. I'm, Go ahead. I was just, saying, I was just gonna say, I'm kind of at a loss for words. I don't, I don't know why. I couldn't, I could not tell you why. The deep shots made sense when Slay had to come out for a couple plays. That I understood, but the consistent getting away from Aaron Jones when he's the hot hand is weird. And I'm hoping that's something that they will address this week, you know, when they're off um, so that they're ready for the playoffs. Cause they're going to, they're going to go up against some better defenses than the Lions defense. And that's not necessarily a knock to the Lions. It's just facts. Hashtag facts. This is the playoffs. Um, all right. Last question. I'll wrap up here um, from Corey Lang. He said, what's the biggest surprise of the 2019 regular season and the biggest disappointment? So I'll take, this a step further and say what is your new year's resolution for this Packers team heading into the playoffs Jacob I will start with you uh, biggest surprise to me is they're 13 and 3 I mean I don't think the optimist James Jones that's the only one but otherwise the optimist <laughs> of all optimists I don't think anybody could have expected 13 and 3 uh, this Packers team had a lot of question marks coming into the season new head coach new offense a lot of new pieces on what was a bad defense a year ago that, I think, it's incredible. It really is astonishing. It's special. This is the second time in my fan. The Packers have gone 13-3 and three or better. This is the third time that's happened, 96-97, and then, or excuse me, the fourth time, 15-1 in 2011. Other than that, this is the best Packers team since then, and it's tied with the 96 team. It's tied with the 97 team. It doesn't look quite the same. Obviously, that 96 team is one of the best teams ever and better than the 85 Bears, in case any Bears fan is listening to this. Steve, I know yeah. you've got some fun, so feel free to let them know. <laughs> they um, still talk about it. They still talk about it. I, I know, it's crazy. It doesn't, and every, every Bears game ever, somebody dresses like Ditka. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's beside the point. Uh, I think it's astonishing that they're 13-3. and three. They found a way to win as many games as they have, and, and it's awesome. I'll, I'll enjoy the ride and win ugly all the way to the Super Bowl. The biggest disappointment to me is that the Packers and I – kind of said this in the offseason they they counted on a lot of young undrafted wide receivers uh and that room has absolutely been uh, a disappointment I don't think there's any other way to slice it Marquez Valdez-Scantling didn't make the jump Geronimo Allison Zach Cruz had a tweet today that I'm not going to be this harsh but said he might be have a case for worst receiver in the NFL uh that played a lot of snaps this year I mean he didn't have a very good year uh Alan Lazard has been that's the only thing that's really saving this this team from the receivers outside of Adams getting an F and that's, that's disappointing. Uh, New year's resolution for the Packers. Well, speed, 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 I guess is one, if you want to do that, but they're in the playoffs, win the Super Bowl. <laughs> that's, that's my New Year's. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can that be a resolution? Win the Super Bowl. I mean, you've surprised everybody all year long. There's not, there are people all day today saying that green Bay, it's okay. They're the worst team. They're the worst two seed. They're the worst 13 and three team ever, whatever you want to call it. 
They have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. Nobody's going to pick them in any game they play. I can promise you that. Nobody's going to pick them to beat New Orleans if they play New Orleans. Everybody's going to talk about Drew Brees and the Saints team and how they're on a mission and blah, blah, blah. Cool. They win that game. They probably go to San Francisco. They'll point back to the fact that we got Molly Wap there in San Francisco in late November. And then they'll go to the Super Bowl, and then they'll play the Chiefs or the Ravens and say they can't beat them. So why not? Just win those three games, surprise everybody, and bring home that fifth Lombardi trophy. I mean, I'll allow it. I think that that's a great resolution. (laughs) I would like to win a very, very ugly Super Bowl just to continue the narrative for the rest of the season. Steve, how about you? All right. Uh, Biggest surprise, I think nobody in the world saw Aaron Jones being healthy for 16 games. Uh, if you've, you've, obviously you guys have been listening to this podcast for a long time. If you have not, you know, uh, Dusty Evely and I have been beating the drum for Aaron Jones to get the ball way more than he already does. Um, so it's been a long time coming. Like, I think that, that was really huge for the Packers offense for them to function that the way they did was for him to be healthy and to be able to be around for the whole season. That was huge. Um, and as Jacob said, the Alan Lazard thing, like him coming around out of nowhere, kind of was a really, really big factor because they yeah. haven't had, a, they don't have a second wide receiver outside of, uh, you know, outside of Devontae. They hadn't had anything. And this kid has come up and performed, which is just outstanding. Um, biggest disappointment, I'm going to go a little bit different, but I'm going to say middle linebacker. The lack of a second middle linebacker has been thoroughly disappointing to me. I thought Oren Burks had, had flashed some things here and there in the preseasons. I was hoping he'd be healthy enough to do some stuff. He got that injury, and it's just a position the Packers, for whatever reason, don't care about, and I can't understand it. Like It, does, it bugs me to this day. Like It, it still gets me going. Um I've been talking about it for a long time, and that that is the position that really gets me going. Uh, if the Packers all of a sudden took a middle linebacker at pick number 32 this year, I'd be okay, and then you go offense on the second and third and fourth round. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan for me. My New Year's resolution for the Packers, Aaron Jones. Use Aaron <laughs> Jones as much as humanly possible in the playoffs because that is the guy that is going to get you to the Super Bowl. He alone – him – Devontae Adams and then Aaron Rodgers. Those are the three guys that are going to get you to the Super Bowl. Uh, throw I, and for Maggie, obviously uh, that that's just offense. If you throw in some Z for me, <laughs> you know that's uh, that's the man. That's the wrecking crew, obviously. But on offense, get Aaron Jones the ball. That's what I want from the Packers. Yeah, I think I'll go on that same note and just say the biggest surprise has been the productivity of all of these new additions. There's a brand new first year head coach in Matt Lafleur who I would die for, and he is 13-3 and as a first-year head coach. Then you bring in Zadarius, Preston, Adrian, Billy Turner, and all of them have been playing very, very well at their respective positions. And as far as draft picks, you know, with Darnell Savage, Elton Jenkins, Rashawn Gary when he rotates in, Goody hit a home run, and I don't know if he can match it in 2020. I think it's kind of hard at this point to expect him to have that kind of productivity with a repeat uh, free agent and draft class. But that was my biggest surprise is just how absolutely productive that offseason was and how much the trajectory of the 2019 team changed with those additions. 
I think my biggest disappointment has to be, like Jacob said, the wide receivers. Um, I thought that Geronimo Allison was going to make a huge jump in his third year now that he was healthy. I thought the same um, production would come from MVS. Um, and it just didn't happen, which was pretty upsetting. Um, same with the tight ends. I thought Jenny Graham would have a bounce back season. Um, I think the bright spot in the tight end unit has been Mercedes Lewis, if I'm being honest. Um, he's looked really good, and he's played a pretty dynamic role for this team. Um, but, yeah, if if we're doing New Year's resolutions, um, I'm going to say win a Super Bowl. But if that is cheating, then give Zedarius Smith all pro. That's that's what I want in 2020 is Zedarius Smith to be an all pro. Um Steve, Jacob had to dip out to take care of his sick baby, who is an honorary Pack-A-Day host, little Blakey. Um, so tell the people tell the people where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Feel free to uh, send everything to at Steve Perhatch. I know it's super, super original, but uh, uh, just, yeah, just went with the name. But, um, yeah, I, I completely agree with the Zadarius All-Pro aspect to everything you're saying because it's just ridiculous that the, he did not get voted into the uh get into the pro bowl just just dumb 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 but i did I enjoy their news. set i i love the sack <laughs> celebration of kicking the door in like that was yeah. yeah those guys are awesome i think my other new year's resolution is for zadaria smith to finally hear my poem but i don't know how that would yeah, happen. We, that, that's something we got to work <laughs> on. We need more connections inside the locker room. To, um, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's got to hear something. He's got to hear it. You can also follow Jacob Westendorf on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf. He's also super original with his naming, um, and he writes for the Packer Report. I was your host for today's episode, Maggie Loney. My Twitter handle is at Maggie J. Loney because I, too, am very original and creative when it comes to Twitter handles. Um, And I also write for Cheesehead TV. Uh, So thank you very much for ringing in your 2020 with the Pack-A-Day crew. We hope that this year is fantastic, and we hope that we get to do playoff episodes for a very long push into January and February. So once again, thank you so much for listening. Happy 2020, and as always, Go Pack Go!
whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health care provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.